Hi, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and for many years I did live radio. Then I transitioned to the podcast world where I feel I found my home. I love talking about spiritual formation, justice issues, and spiritual practices. Throw in the Enneagram, movies, and current events from time to time, and that's what you get on the podcast. I'm glad you've come along for the ride. Welcome to Faith Conversations. Welcome to Faith Conversations, everyone. I am absolutely delighted to have Joyce Rupp back with me on the podcast. Most of you are going to be familiar with you if you're regular listeners to Faith Conversations, but for those who maybe have found this podcast more recently, let me tell you that Joyce is well known for her work as a writer, a retreat leader, a spiritual midwife. What a lovely phrase, right? A spiritual midwife. She serves as a consultant for the Boundless Compassion Program. And if you're not familiar with that, uh, I will put a link to that in the show notes um, and her book books that are along uh, with that talk about boundless compassion are wonderful. Let me just say that. Um, and she has written so many best-selling books. I am a fan of a number of them, Praying Our Goodbyes, uh, Open the Door, uh, and then today, what we're in boundless compassion, certainly, which I have already mentioned, but today we're going to talk about um, one of her uh, Lenten devotionals. And before we get into that, too, I want to say that an important part of who Joyce is, she's a member of the Servite community, the Servants of Mary. She's a Catholic sister, and I am just uh, blessed to know her and to welcome her back to the podcast. Welcome, Joyce. Oh, thank you, Anita. And I love knowing that I'm going to be back here with you for a while, too. Uh, you're so good. Well, uh, thank you. Appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I um, appreciate that as well. Uh, you know, we are going to talk about Lent. Um, just one quick thing here. You and I are recording this in January, and people will listen to it here and there along the way. But this day, you're in the middle of a blizzard where you are in <laughs> Iowa, aren't you? You know what we are, and I'll tell you something, people are going to raise their eyebrows, but I'm one of these crazy fools. I like winter. So a blizzard for me, if I can be indoors, yes. I, I really I really like it. And I, I love the wildness of it and the woolly white that covers yes. land. And I, I don't know, it, it's uh, winter. Winter is just such a quieting time for me. My best writing is always in winter. Yeah. I'm leaving in a week or so for two. I Now this past couple of years, I take two weeks in a cabin in the woods. And it's my writing solitude time. And I absolutely love, 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 love it. Um, just the serenity and the, I don't know, it, it. it's the yin energy rather than the yang energy. You know, that yin yes. of going inside and, the, and yes. the stillness. And it's there for all of us. But boy, it's hard to find in this world today. You know, and, and the place I go, it doesn't have Wi-Fi accessibility. Yay, yay, yay. <laughs> Isn't that nice? There's something about that that's yeah. very freeing. And sometimes mm -hmm. we don't even realize it until, and I will encourage people to not just turn the sounder off on your phones, turn them off and there's something that happens in us when we do that. That is really true. And not always looking to see who is who text, you know, who emailed, who whatever. Who liked yeah. my post. 
you know, right. Who cares? Really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, I, I think seasons are so important and we're, we're going to talk about a certain season in the life of the church, but mm. let me first ask you, you just mentioned that you, that you do your best writing in winter and soon you'll be heading off to this, this small cabin. Can you give us a little peek into what you are working on next? What you know, I just I finished this trilogy of Lenten books, and now that I'm of the age, (laughs) I've I've been I just finished a book called um, Vessels of Love uh, Prayers and Poems for the Later Years of Life. And I'm so excited about this because it's really for people that are in anyone beyond 60, really, but especially for 80s and 90s and even early 100s, there's just very little out there. And I am more listening more and more to them. I mean, people in their 80s and 90s, they're still very vital, very alive, but boy, their lives are so different than if you're 60. And so now I'm going to work my next companion piece to that is going to be um, on essays and reflections on on the topical areas of that. I love that so much. I I, um, teach a group of women on Tuesdays, along with one of the associate pastors at our church. She and I lead this group, and many of the women in the group are 70s, 80s. -hmm. Uh, We might have a 90, Mm -hmm. early 90s. The -hmm. wisdom I have gleaned from, yeah. You know, I might be leading this group, but really, I, I'm just, yeah. I am a participant along with them. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. So I love the fact that you are addressing this. In fact, oh, we are going you. to work our way through a book coming up um, t- two weeks from, from now called Aging Faithfully. And wow. I, boy, you know, uh, yeah. you're, you are absolutely right. There is not much written toward that group. So I am super excited to be looking for vessels of love. About it. So (laughs) that that even it encourages me to know I'm on the right track. Yes, (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. Um when when does Vessels of Love come out? Do you know? Um probably we're hoping by next August or September. Terrific. I will keep an eye out for that. Yeah. And I'll try to remember to send you a little note too when it comes. Lovely. Thank you. Well, let's move back to seasons. I said we would mm-hmm. get back to that. I, I think that seasons are, are the actual seasons. You just talked about winter, mm-hmm. the four seasons. They are important in our lives, but the seasons of the church overlay also um, yeah. on yeah. the seasons, mm-hmm. um, calendar seasons, and the seasons of our lives as well. Um, there are a variety of seasons, but we're going to talk about a season of the church life. And um, Joyce, you just said you finished a trilogy. This particular book is Jesus Guide of My Life, Reflections for the Lenten Journey. Why is this the third one? Why three different Lenten devotionals? Oh, you just asked such good questions. Thank you. (laughs) Um, You know, I didn't know I was going to do a trilogy when I started out. Okay. I started out and what I really wanted in Jesus friend of my soul, which is the first one, is I just wanted people to meet Jesus on a human level. I think there's just such an emphasis on on the miracles and uh, is he divine and yeti yeti. I mean, that's all good. But um, but to meet Jesus as a person, fully human, who, you know, who had the qualities and characteristics of, and experienced all the experiences that we do, you know, he, he grew tired and weary and he sweat and he was hungry. And 
I mean, and he was angry and he was disappointed and he was rejected, all of those things. And so that's where I started. And there was so much there just in those qualities. It was so easy to find 40 qualities of Jesus, you know, and, and then um, when I was doing the qualities, what really stood out for me was his, his uh, compassion more than anything else. And that was a second book was then companion of my suffering, because who, who do we know anyone who doesn't have suffering in their life? And again, I found it so easy to find so many aspects of compassion in his life, his personhood and his ministry. And then that took me to the third one, which is the teachings and the guidelines. And, you know, unfortunately, I think many churches have it backwards. They do all the creeds and the doctrines and the guidelines and the and all of that, instead of beginning with who is this person? Who uh, is this source of our inspiration? Yes. Um, you know, the other day, someone had, for Christmas had given me a book called Awe, A-W-E, by Dr. Doc, Dr. Keltner, I think is the name, but I want to read you just a little piece. Can I do that? Please. Yes. So much about uh, the person of Jesus and the guidelines. Um, so they did this research. They, they, they um, asked 2000 people, what was awe for them? A, a personal story of awe. And here's what he wrote. What did people around the world feel? How did they feel awe? And he says, was it nature, spiritual practice, listening to music? In fact, it was other people's courage, kindness, strength, or overcoming. Around the world, we're most likely to feel awe when moved by moral beauty, the first wonder of life. And I thought of the person wow. of Jesus, and I thought, it's his personhood, his care, his charisma, his goodness. It's his goodness that attracts us. And I remember being so young that when my teacher in school taught talked about Jesus as a young child, it was his goodness. It had nothing to do. I was not awed by the miracles. I was awed by who was this good, good person, you know? And I wanted to, I wanted to emulate him. And and I, I very honestly, the, it's that goodness that has inspired me through my entire life. Wow, I love that. Um, and I think that's that might be an interesting exercise for those of us listening as you're talking to to think what is it that inspires us? What is it that draws us to Jesus? That's mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. so interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm thinking about when you when you talked about goodness and when you read that. Uh, very interesting quote. Um, what popped into my mind was how Jesus interacted with children. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's a part of his goodness and mm -hmm. certainly other attributes as well. But mm -hmm. I think about people who don't have much time for children, and I feel like I sort of pull away from them. <laughs> and yeah. this mm -hmm. was so tender and loving and, you know, and at, asked the children to come, let the children come. Yeah. You know, I was at liturgy just a couple of weeks ago and I thought about something similar. And I thought, you know, there was a child that was crying, a young child, and just off and on, wasn't a great disturbance. But every time these people give these dagger looks at this young couple. And I think, hey, folks, they got up early. They got this kid dressed. They came here. They're risking, you know, being present and having people look at, them just the way you are. And it was a judgment on my part, but I, I felt, I felt sad about that. You know, mm -hmm. I just thought, oh, 
Let's welcome the children as yes. Jesus did, because you know, in that gospel passage, the disciples say, send the children away. Yes, yes the I know. Words, send the children away. And I think, oh, no, 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 no. Yep. So. And Jesus turns it around. No, let yeah. the children come. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. You know, uh, you know, can I say one other thing about oh, please, please. a little previous to that? But, you know, I think it, it certainly was his relationship with children, but I, I just think he had such a tender heart toward anyone who was vulnerable. Yes. You know, and that is over and over again yes. in his, his guidelines and his teachings, you know, yes. um, you know, in that Matthew 25, feed the hungry, clothe the, the naked, right. visit the imprisoned. Um, he had a tender heart toward people who were disenfranchised. You know, I grew up in a faith tradition, uh, a, a certain sliver of a faith tradition that did not really elevate or care for women well. And so I, I'm just so drawn to Jesus as I read and, and watch how he cared for um, women who in his day were vulnerable yes, part of the population yes. as well. Yeah. And yeah. I just love that. That's so meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. I, I also grew up in a faith tradition that did a whole lot of elevating Paul. And, I, and you know, Paul is wonderful. And, and I read just recently uh, a pastor who said, you know, Paul is loved by God, but Paul is not God. <laughs> and I so oh, appreciate that. Oh, that is good. That. That's and good. I thought, you know, Jesus yeah. is God. Mm -hmm. Jesus is mm -hmm. part of the Trinity, though we, of course, yeah. are seeing his humanity as mm -hmm. we talk about Lent right. and as we read uh, in the Gospels. Mm -hmm. um, but Jesus is divinity. And um, to yeah. be, I think, to constantly turn back at, to the Gospels is such a, an important thing. Yeah. Thank you. I just, that is such a firm belief of mine. And, you know, I often say that Jesus was full of goodness, which is a derivative of a godness or vice versa, you know, and, and the fullness of light within him. And to me, that was, that was the goodness. I mean, you know, you're just with, I know I was thinking this morning about people who's who are full of goodness. And I thought, that's why so many people are attracted to Mother Teresa. Mm -hmm. It was selfless giving. Or Nelson Mandela, who could, who was able to forgive people that imprisoned him for so long. I mean, we, we were drawn, we're drawn to those kind of people. Yes. Um, and it's that quality of goodness or godness or light, the fullness of light within them. And, you know, as humans, we have these flaws when, you know, Jesus, um, he had a human, um, what would I call it, discrepancies in terms of discouragement, anger, you know. Right. Uh, he experienced our it. emotions, yeah. human yeah. emotions. Yeah, and that's a good yeah. way to put it. Um, but he was full of goodness. Yeah. yeah. And then, and you know, so much of our theology is taken from Paul instead of the Gospels, to be honest with you. And I think that's what the minister was saying. That's exactly know? what he was saying. It was yeah. just so yeah. good for me to to, to yeah. read that. And, and, yeah. Well, you know, um, a well-known, he's passed away in the past couple of years, Dallas Willard, a well-known Protestant uh, spiritual formation person, mm -hmm. um, said to a, a pastor friend of mine, a South African pastor, Trevor Hudson, Trevor said, you know, I've read this, this, what should I read next? And Dallas Willard says, 
uh, the Gospels? And Trevor goes, well, yes, yes, no, of course. But I mean, what should I read next? You know, he was looking for yeah. some kind of current mm-hmm. book. And mm-hmm. he again, he goes, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, we to know Jesus is to know God. And that's that's a place yeah. for us to really focus the Gospels. You know, I, I just, I love what you just said. And I, you know, what if, wow, during these six weeks of Lent, what if in every Christian church, they said, all we're going to do this Lent is we're going to read and meditate on the gospels. We're going to take one of those passages a day where Jesus is with the people or a person, and we're going to put ourselves in that scene and we're going to learn from him there. Yes. Who Who is this person of Jesus and what about him do I want to have in my life. Well, and Joyce, that's what you do in your devotional. I I used the one on compassion that came Mm -hmm. came out last year. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I loved is the brevity. You know, you, Mm -hmm. these are not lengthy reads, but you give scripture every day and a brief thought, a thoughtful thought (laughs) to Mm -hmm. end and, um, you know, a question and you end with a prayer. And of course, one of my favorite things, I say it often about your prayers, you always begin them with um, another way of saying God, like Mm. guide of my life or, Mm. or um, itinerant traveler center of my life. So what are, what are words we might use? It causes me to think, how would I, what would I attribute to God? How would I name God? Discerning spirit. You know, every prayer you open, you start it with, with this naming of God that is so thoughtful and it gets me to think. And so I think that's exactly what you're doing. What you said, I wish our churches might do this. We would be mm-hmm. well served. You're leading us in that through Thank this. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. Uh, can I also say another thing that mm-hmm. really jumped out at me that I'd love to hear you <laughs> respond to? In the in the introduction, you talk about, um, you know, the, I am the way. We read that in, in the Gospels. Jesus says, I am the way. And you talk about the disciples, um, you know, who follow him and the crowds that gather. They come to recognize that this way is more than a directional path, right? Jesus mm-hmm. is not only guiding yeah. them on their interior road, he is the very embodiment of that guidance. He mm-hmm. is the way, as we read and you state in John 14, 6. The way is a person. And somewhere in here, I'm looking for it now, but you talk about ah, that, that, the teachings, the advice, counseling of Jesus, who is the way, lead and direct us on a transforming route that brings us even further into the fullness of who we truly are, persons capable of great love. And then the question popped into my mind, well, because you say this relationship continually widens and deepens as the guidance of the way becomes intertwined with our everyday comings and goings. And I, I wrote in the margin of your book, how is my posture toward the person that I least love in my life? Wow. That's (laughs) that's where where your thoughts led me as I'm looking at Jesus, Ah. person who can help grow in me a greater love. Oh boy. How Mm. is my posture toward those in my life that Mm. I struggle loving? 
Hey, Anita, you you got it because that's exactly, you know, and I, I have to live the stuff I write, you know, so, <laughs> so I think of Lent as a time of transformation. It doesn't just mean negativity, you know, but last Lent I decided I was thinking about that love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Well, I I don't I I have some people that don't like me real well, but they don't hate me. I don't think you know, and yeah. vice versa. But I there is just some people that I'm not naturally drawn to. So for last Lent, for my practice, I just decided I was going to be very deliberate, put myself into situations and groups where I knew there would be people that I didn't like very well. Wow! And <laughs> I just kept praying to open my heart, and honestly, what it did for me is it helped me see that, hey, I not only do not like some people, some people do not like me. And I, and and look, they're still being kind to me. But I know that I kind of, you know, my theology, my spirituality doesn't fit with theirs. And, and, and so it was just a really good practice for me. So every year, I look so much not, you know, what did I do wrong? Or what, you know, how negative I am about something, but it's more like just the very thing you point to, how can I embody more the qualities of Jesus, you know, whatever those yeah. might be. Yeah. And, um, I love wait, that. Six weeks isn't a long time, but <laughs> so you got to get with it from the start. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> and I love that. You know, we can, we often talk about giving something up. We can take oh, yeah. something on. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. to, yes. To look at that. Hey, let mm -hmm. me ask you one final question in our conversation about your newest Lenten devotional, Jesus guide of my life. And of course I will link that. Um, uh, in the show notes, so you can know where to find that. Um, one of the things you say again in the introduction before we get to move into the body of, of what you've written, you suggest that as we move through these Lenten reflections, envision ourselves there among the crowd gathered around Jesus, focusing on what he's teaching. Talk to us a little bit about how how that can be so helpful to put ourselves into that picture. It's, it's, it's kind of its own mm -hmm. spiritual practice, I get really. Well, you know, and I have to give credit to the Jesuits or St. Ignatius for that, you know, because yes. that's where I really learned how to do that meditation. And it made all the difference in the world to me because otherwise it just remains head stuff, you know, but if, if I can get inside a scene you know, like, let's just take the woman, the woman whose menstrual cycle, she was menstruating for, I think, 12 years. Oh, that right. story. Yes. You know, and, and she touches the hem of Jesus and then he, he knows energy's gone out from him. And, and so if I put myself in the story, I can understand what did this woman feel like? What was, how scared was she? How courageous was she to touch that him, her, her faith that something could happen. Yes. And Jesus, what was it like for him to see this woman, to have a sense she was in the crowd and to, um, to actually feel that there's a movement within him that that energy went toward this woman um, and his courage in that mm -hmm. environment, that social environment of calling her out and, and, and connecting with her. And so then, you know, I, then I can, I can really be much more appreciative of, of both of those figures yes. in that story, but especially wanting to emulate Jesus in terms of, you know, Again, who and where do I um, where do I need to connect with someone, you know, mm -hmm. who's feeling rejected, who's feeling ostracized, et cetera. Yeah. 
You know, and I think that's what I love about your writing, and you do it again in this devotional. You take us beneath the surface. You know, you ask a, a, maybe a provocative question that, uh, or give a suggestion that just takes us a little deeper. And I know that's that's what I want. And folks, mm -hmm. if you want to mm -hmm. grow through your Lenten experience, um, I commend to you Jesus, guide of my life. Um, what a joy. Always wonderful to talk with you, Joyce. Thank you for your uh, time today yeah, and your thank good you. work. You get me excited all over again about this. So. <laughs> good. I'm glad. <laughs> thank you. you have a way of doing that, which is wonderful. So. Uh, oh, thank, thank you so much. Yeah. And to everyone listening, I say keep the conversation going.